from Los Angeles. It's the at-home edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. With tonight's guest, psychotherapist, co-presenter, educator, Mark Lazure, and now our host, the MC, Master of Change, Filippo Voltaggio. I am so excited about tonight's show. Tonight's show is very special. Uh, we have some very special people, individually uh, special, on the show tonight, and they are collectively special, and maybe in the greater collective, very special. And I, I, I'm sure that'll be explained as we go further. I have to say, and also very special to me personally. And why? I'm not really sure why, and I can't wait to explore more why. It's one of those feelings you get. In, in the exploration this is what I, I have come to so far, is that I feel like I know these gentlemen that are our guests and musical guests on the show tonight. Uh, of course, we've had Brian Beckvar on the show before as a musical guest and very much enjoyed him and conversations with him before, during and after the show. So I feel like I know him, but not just because he was on our show. And similarly with his brothers, uh, Brent, who is our guest, Brent Beckvar, and Bruce Beckvar, who is also our musical guest, I, I had the pleasure, Brian brought us all together, and uh, we had a, a, a video call together all at the same time. And boy, did I get a dose of Beckvars. And, and, I, and I have to say, again, I felt like I knew them. And, and, and here, here's, it, as part of the exploration, it, it could be like uh, that, that, that they're kindred spirits and that uh, each of them has done something that's, that I'm interested in and that I've explored myself, whether it be music or whether it be spirituality or uh, Hinduism or what have you. Um, it also could be that these gentlemen are really aligned with their work. And so when they share their work, each of them individually and collectively, then you really get a sense like they're sharing a part of themselves. And, and with that, it also feels like their heart is in their work and they share a lot of, of their expanded life, like they give it all and actually, uh, Bruce, uh, I think, said it very well, and I, I hope we'll be able to share this song uh, today of his. He, he, one of the title songs that we're going to share today is All My Heart. And I thought that that's really it, that, that when I was present with them, they were present with me, and they were sharing all their heart. Now, of course, uh, for those of us who might believe in, in, in uh, 
the Ayurvedic and the, and the Vedic and, and, and a lot of what we're going to talk about today that I don't know enough about, frankly, and why we're actually, I'm excited even more about the show, is that we might actually all know each other in a past life. So, you know, we do know each other. Uh, but whatever it is, I trust you will feel the same and learn and grow from what will transpire here today with uh, the Beckvars, uh, Brent, Bruce, and Brian, all on the Life Changes Show when we come back after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at LifeChangesShow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com or askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at Life Changes Show and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. This is the Life Changes Show at home edition, I am your host, Filippo Voldaggio, online with our producer and co-host, Mark Lejour. Filippo, those are great, great thoughts. We've been so blessed to have that sense of family in, you know, amongst our shows and the Life Changes Network. But this show especially, um, from moment one, there's been that feeling of, I think, kindred, kindredness that you used. Uh, really looking forward to tonight. Well, indeed, and we've titled this show Identifying Your Mental, Emotional States and Resources for Life. We'll get into more as to why. Uh, those are words from our guest, who is a psychotherapist, a, a Chopra Center educator, uh, one of the founders, I believe, actually, a Vedic astrologer, uh, and I feel like a new friend, Brent Beckvar. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Thank you, Filippo. Thank you for, thanks for the welcome and the generous welcome. And I'm happy to be able to join you with my brothers. And I agree with what you said. I feel like you're, you're another brother. So uh, grateful, really grateful to be here. Grateful to know you. 
Well, uh, likewise, indeed. And and actually, on our way to, to, to getting to know each other more, and I'm sure the audience would appreciate this, uh, here's something that we haven't had a chance to talk about, and I know there's a story. And, and so much of, of what we're going to talk about is actually, I think, tied to it. How did you and Deepak Chopra connect? Well... Uh, thanks for the question. I, I love to, to share this story because, and I, and I sometimes will um, will will reference this when I'm giving lectures, particularly about Dharma. You you made a, a comment earlier about how we align with our path, how we align with our nature, and how we find our you know our our Dharma, to use the Sanskrit term. And um, I was thinking about it today because. You know, during this last year, so many people, so many of us have gone through um, a kind of dark night of the soul from time to time, mm -hmm. a real, a real um, humbling time of not knowing what was next, not what, knowing what to do, not feeling um, sure about the way forward. I had a, a dark night of the soul myself about oh, 30 years ago. I'd been, as you mentioned, <clears throat> I'd worked for a time as, as a therapist. I worked uh, in uh, radio and television advertising for a while after that. And, and I had I had good success for oh, probably 10 years in that work and enjoyed the creativity. I enjoyed uh, making commercials, writing commercials. And I was also involved in client relations and selling uh, airtime, commercial time, which I know you're familiar with. And it, it, it got to a point where I realized I wasn't feeling nourished. My soul was feeling like it was just dying. And this is no, um, no, uh, I'm not diminishing advertising in any way for, for many people. It, it can be an exciting and creative work. And it was for me for a long time, but I kind of hit the wall. I'd kind of gone down this road where I didn't feel like this was the right road for me. And I remember on one occasion, just, just practically on my knees praying, just saying, please tell me what I'm supposed to do. I have a feeling I, there's something I can do where I can really contribute to the welfare of the whole with whatever talents, gifts, and abilities I have. And I think fortunately I've been meditating for some time before that. I've been yoga teacher, meditation teacher in my 20s and continue to meditate. It was the, really, it was the thing more than anything that sort of helped me to you know, sustain myself uh, during those times. And I remember just asking for that guidance, and I, I just surrendered. I mean, that was really the truth. I remember even having the thought, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's sweeping streets. If it's what I'm really meant to do, I'll do it. So that was there was that level of surrender. Mm. And, and I think that's significant, you know, that sometimes in those dark nights of the soul, we really have to get to that place where we, we let go. We really turn it over to God, spirit, the, the universe and ask for help. And that's really what I did in that moment. And when I sort of finished, it's like everything became very, very quiet and still. I felt really peaceful. I felt like I'd done as much as I could do in, in, in that moment. Well, very, very shortly after that, within a, a week or so, I remembered seeing, I was living in Florida. I'd been, I was working at a station in Florida and I, I happened to see somewhere that Deepak Chopra was speaking in that town where I was living. Now, he wasn't famous at that time, but because I'd been uh, connected with the TM organization, I'd been doing TM, I had taken some courses, and 
Deepak was a rising light in that organization at that time. He had um, he had met Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who really became his guru, his catalyst. And Deepak, uh, it was you know very interesting situation in his Vedic chart, which maybe we'll have a chance to talk about later. But in any case, I went to hear him speak, and it was there was only about three hundred people there. I was in a Unity Church. I happened to get there early and, and was sitting in the front row. And at one point he came up to me and, and, and during his lecture and he held up a pencil and a pen. He looked right at me and he said, choose. <laughs> and it was a, mm. he was making a point about, about choice, about, you know, how we make choices. And, and, uh, but in that moment, I felt this just kind of remarkable connection with him. And I remember thinking to myself, not even thinking, feeling in my heart, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to work with that guy. He was so inspiring. Everything he had to say was so much, uh, you know, resonating in my heart, in my soul. And, and then, you know, the lecture was over. I think I said hello to him and I left and I thought, you know what? He's up there in Massachusetts where he was at the time. I'm down here in Florida. You know, there's no real connection. So I just let it go, which I think is, again, that significance of surrender or of just releasing our attachment to, you know, uh, uh, our our desire, even though the desire had been very strong, I surrendered, let it go. Well, as it turned out, I had mutual friends with um, the people that managed Deepak's uh, center, the Ayurvedic Health Center in Massachusetts, the, a couple. They had come with him on that trip, and they had fallen in love with this town. It was Naples, Florida. That's where, where we were living. And they decided they were going to move there. And when I heard this, I thought, this is great. I want to make them welcome. I want to introduce them to some people. Uh, I'll have them invite them for dinner. So I did. They came for dinner. We had just, we had a wonderful time at my condo there. And, and I was just telling them about all the reasons they're going to enjoy being there, who they should meet, this and that. And at one point, the wife of the couple, and this is the truth, her name was Melody Pleasant. <laughs> and Melody looked at me and she said, you know, you would be so perfect for this job that's coming available in three weeks up in Massachusetts. And it was one of those moments, you know, where everything just went quiet. And I felt this door open and I just said, you're right, what do we do? Mm. And that quickly, I'd sort of given up my, I had a good job there. I, mean, I gave up my job. I, and, and so she called, made the call and said, we've got the guy for the job. And within a little over three weeks, I had sold my condo to my, my parents, decided to buy my, my condo, our, my, that condo I had there. Um, I uh, said goodbye to my friends, gave notice to the company. And in a little over three weeks, I was up there starting a whole new life, doing something I really, really loved, which was mm. aligning with this, um, this uh, Vedic knowledge, which which had always appealed to me, and and I'd always been drawn to it. You were talking about past lives. I think it's the kind of thing I've done before. It feels that way, and it's continued to feel that way in all the 30 years that I've worked in collaboration with Deepak and have done a variety of things, jobs there um, at, with the Chopra organization. But I tell this story. I like to t tell people this who may be at a, at a crossroads or a crisis point in their lives because we all have a purpose. I think we, we all have um, a dharma, something that we can align with if we allow ourselves to, if we can surrender the fear of what, what's going to happen, will I have enough, 
what will other people think? All, all those things that sort of, um, you know, kind of uh, make us uh, balk mm-hmm. at following our, our hearts, following our, our dharma mm-hmm. and asking for dharma. That's the key. I think the real key here is that we have to ask for it. And I'm just so grateful because it's been the best 30 years of my life working with Deepak. He's been a great friend and teacher, and uh, I've had incredible opportunities as a result of uh, this association. And and it was nice because uh, uh, Bruce and Brian were able to come in and participate in a musical venture, uh, musical collaboration with Deepak and his partner, Dr. David Simon, at, at one point. And I'm sure you'll have a chance to talk about that. As as you go along, well, anyway, actually, that's now, that's the story. Now knowing that story, Brent, and thank you for sharing it. It it gives even more significance to the story that I I do know. And 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 real quickly, if you want to share how you you came to doing what I got to experience in person, which is uh, Jyotish, right? Jyotish, 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 Jyotish is very. Jyotish is Vedic astrology. It's Indian astrology. Um, it um, it's distinctly different from Western astrology, and uh, I won't go into technical explanation of it. I mean, if people are um, wanting to know more, I think you'll you'll give some of my uh, contact mm-hmm. information later, and I'm happy to to um, you know help and answer questions. But I'd always had an interest in astrology, even since I was little, since I found out there was such a thing as astrology, I really was intrigued by it. Something about the, our relationship with the greater body of the environment, the stars and the planets. And I remember lying on my back at night, looking up at the stars and just feeling so much freedom uh, as I looked up at the stars and feeling like there were all these friends up there somehow, you know, even as a child. Mm. Um, it's interesting, you know, we found out through our father that we have a relative named Antonin Bekvar, who was a, actually a famous astronomer in, Czech, in, in the Czech, or Czechos, what was Czechoslovakia before. And mm. so I even have, we have a relative, we have an ancestor who was sort of aligned with the, uh, the stars. Uh, anyway, um, when I found out that there was something called astrology, I really began to study it in earnest. And, um, and I studied Western astrology for 20 years. And then when I first began to work for Deepak in Massachusetts, um, at the at the Ayurvedic Health Center, there we were visited by a Vedic astrologer or a Jyotishi. The word Jyotish means uh, Jyoti is the word for light, Sanskrit for light and Isha for Lord of or science of so Jyotish is the science of light. And it, it refers not just to the study of the, the luminaries, the stars, the planets, constellations, but also the light of consciousness, which allows us to, to perceive and, and to understand. So Jyotish is a, a very spiritual subject. It's uh, considered an integral part of the Vedas. The Vedas are the, uh, the you know, the Vedic knowledge is the oldest coherent knowledge we have as human beings. And Jyotish is considered to be the eye of the Veda because it is associated with light. And so when I found, I met this Vedic astrologer who did my Vedic chart. And as I often say, and this 
there's no uh, nothing uh, to, not in any way uh, to diminish Western astrology, but I, I I wanted to wear that article of clothing that was that was Western astrology. I really felt there was something there, but it never quite fit me. And now many people get great insights and inspiration from Western astrology, so I'm not uh, not denigrating it, but. For me, it didn't quite fit. And when when this guy did my chart, I'm telling you, it was like suddenly the suit fit, and I felt exhilarated. I felt like I suddenly I was because the Vedic chart is distinctly different from the Western chart by 24 degrees for anybody that's a uh, that studies astrology, which is a lot. It's almost a whole sign or a whole constellation. So the whole chart is different by 24 degrees. The other thing is, and again, not to get too technical, but it in the Vedic chart, we think of a person in terms of their rising sign or the constellation that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time of birth, not in terms of the sun sign. So it's a whole, it's really a whole different profile, very very um, different ways, of, uh, different uh, uh, tools and techniques of interpretation. But anyway, all I can say is when this guy did my chart, so I was hooked and I studied in earnest. Anything I could read, anybody I could talk to, about it, and eventually I had very good teachers in, in India and in this country, and and still I'm I, I still study, of course, because this is such a huge subject. It's vast, but on one occasion, um, I'd been with the with the Chopra organization for I guess about ten years at that point, and I had gone to India with Deepak and his family and, and a couple of other people. Uh, we were invited to to accompany him because he was being honored by this um, very illustrious monk, this this uh, dignitary uh, referred to as the Shankaracharya of Jyotirmat, who was the Shankaracharya of the North. You know, it's a real spiritual, um, eminent person. And um, uh, anyway, so I was thrilled to go because Deepak was being acknowledged by this person, and I. Uh, I, I was grateful to be able to to witness this. So we went there. We went to this ashram. It was all these monks there, and it was a lot of Sanskrit chanting, and I mean, it was a powerful, charged environment. Really, I'll never forget it. And so he and Deepak, you know, had some conversations, you know, with all the people there. And then at some point, you know, they kind of finished the sort of ceremony part of it, and. Uh, he and Deepak were going to speak uh, privately. So we, all of us that were there, we kind of dispersed. And I, I remember just sort of wandering out, and I found myself in this courtyard where I, I discovered the shrine of Adi Shankara. Adi Shankara was a great sort of... Uh, he he was a great uh, mystic saint. He sort of re-energized, you might say, the, the Vedic uh, tradition. And... Um, Anyway, I stood there at the shrine because I, I wasn't really sure where my work was going at that point with the Chopra Center. It wasn't quite a dark night of the soul, but it was just my path was sort of a little bit unclear. And I remember just sort of sitting at that shrine and just praying again and saying, look, I, I need some help. I need some direction. Just help me to align with Dharma. What is my Dharma now? What What's my direction now? And like before, I just I just surrendered it. I remember letting it go. And I I got up from the shrine and all of a sudden I, I looked over and about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet away on this balcony was this Shankaracharya, this monk. And he's usually with all these other monks and it was just him by himself and he's sort of peering down. And it's not like 
looking at me, uh, Brent, it was like he was seeing completely through me. I felt like there was, uh, there was nothing hidden about me. There was nothing about me. It was just suddenly I, I just felt the spaciousness. And he just straightened up and walked away. And I was like, wow, what was that? <laughs> what just happened and and i i really i mean i just had i felt all this peace and everything so just to make a longer story short uh, uh, very shortly after that deepak suddenly called me in his office and he said you know i want you to bring jyotish vedic astrology into the chopra center chopra organization and i looked at him i said deepak um you know i'm I, i'm really grateful for for this uh, for, for you asking this, but I said, I, I, I'm, I need three more lifetimes of study. <laughs> I really didn't feel I was ready, you know, to represent him and that organization at that point, because it, it was, you know, it seemed like a big responsibility. And he pointed his finger at me and he, and he looked right at me and he said, you've been preparing for this for a long time. This is your Dharma. Mm. And once again, I, I mean, I, what was I going to say? I, I just said, <laughs> okay, I'll do it. And I'm so grateful. Every day I'm grateful that I get to do this work because it is it is profoundly transformational work. Um, and, and as you were saying, you know, how do we find our path? You know, this path where I where I do counseling with people using uh, the Vedic chart as the central feature of the counseling process. I'm able to bring together a lot of my previous life experiences, previous training and I, I just get to help, you know, and something about this process, uh, people just feel seen, you know, it's not that I'm so uh, clairvoyant or omniscient, you know, I've had good teachers and I know how to read a chart. And, and if I have correct birth information, I, I can get really good inf information about a person. And I think one of the benefits of this is that oftentimes people feel seen, they feel um not exactly validated, but they feel com comfortable in who they are. They, they, because in looking at a chart, you're looking at all these different archetypal themes that are reflected through the chart by the representative planetary bodies. And I think that's where I see real transformation when I'm doing this process with people. And I love to do it because it's a very intimate experience. And I'm, I feel very honored that people kind of allow me in to this intimate space and feel comfortable enough to, to kind of let down their defenses and feel um, uh, feel seen. So uh, it's been a wonderful 20 years of doing this at the Chopra Center. I also do other things there. I've, I've, I lead, I've led retreats. I, we do a silent retreat every year uh, with Deepak that I've been guiding and have um, really loved this week-long silent retreat. And there were other retreats that I did. I do webinars and do, um, you know, various things there. Most of it's been online, of course, over this last year. And everything is shifting at the Chopra Center. Uh, now Deepak um, has sold part of the, the Chopra organization. And, um, and he's doing so much more on the media now on, and, and um, uh, doing so much work on a very large scale. So I, I'm I'm still very grateful to be aligned with him and supporting his vision of getting a billion people to meditate. <laughs> That's what we'd love to see. I think it would it would bring about a phase transition and of consciousness in our on our planet if we had that 
that many people meditating every day. So that's my intention and wish too. Well, you you have lots of intentions and and wishes, and and they come through in your work and in the lectures that I've heard you give online and uh, people can find you on YouTube. They can find you at the Chopra Center and they can also find you at brentbeckvar.com. That's Beckvar is B-E-C-V like Victor, A-R, brentbeckvar.com. And uh, remember that name because we'll be using it later on as well, a couple <laughs> more times for sure. Uh, but uh, one of the things after having the experience that I did have with you, um, where you did Jyotish on, on, Jyotish. I'm sorry. Correct. Okay. That's <laughs> correct. You pronounced it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in, in the little note, even before I had a chance to write and thank you personally, you wrote this beautiful note and then you ended with, uh, Meanwhile, sending you all the best wishes in awakening to your most evolutionary choices. And I, I, every word was profound, but I wanted to choose that because I think that applies to all of us talking about choices and evolutionary choices. And also, when we come back, uh, I, I'd really love for you to share something that I know you bring out in your work, and it felt like very personal to me when you spoke those words to me about it's not personal. So I can't wait to have you explain how it's not personal when we come back. We are talking, of course, with Brent Beckvar. Uh, who is uh, many things, a psychotherapist, a Chopra Center educator, as you've heard, a Vedic astrologer. And uh, we'll be back with a few more minutes with Brent. And after that, we're going to be having our musical guests, Bruce Beckvar and Brian Beckvar, all on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show.
We're back. I am Filippo, your host, and we're talking with Brent Beckvar. The show we've titled Identifying Your Mental Emotional States and Resources for Life. And I wish we could go into so much of what I experienced during uh, the session uh, with, uh, with uh, Brent. And one, one thing I will say for sure is uh, he, it, it, the focus very much seemed shifted from like a me, like this is about you, Filippo, as I would expect as I have experienced in, in, in what we call traditional horoscope, uh, astrological sessions to, to, uh, to, a kind of like a, a, we, uh, or a universe wants, or you are part of, of a greater whole. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll definitely ask Brent about that, but I, 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 before we get into that, it's not personal. I will say this, that I entered that session believing I was 100% Cancerian and came out of it believing I'm 100% Leo. I don't know. How do you explain that, Brent? Well, that that's a little more technical uh, explanation, you know, uh, Filippo, because um, the difference between the Western chart and the Vedic chart has to do with the difference between the tropical zodiac, which is used in Western astrology, and the sidereal zodiac used in, in Vedic astrology. Sidereal zodiac refers to the fixed constellations as we see them in the sky. It's the same zodiac any astronomer uses. Western astrology uses the tropical zodiac. Word tropical in that case means movable. It's movable because it's determined by the relative and changeable position of the sun. It's a solar-based or seasonal astrology. The problem is that because of the cycle of precession of the equinoxes, that's something people may want to Google, precession of the equinoxes. It has to do with a wobble in the axial spin of the Earth, such that the point where the sun appears to rise every spring equinox on you know, March the 21st, which in Western astrology they say is the, first, you know, the beginning of Aries, March 21st to April 21st. Well, the sun has not risen in Aries on March 21st in over 1800 years because of this wobble in the spin. It's been gradually seen to be precessing through the zodiac, you know, on, on the vernal equinox. So um, the, the actually, again, this is, this is not to diminish Western astrology. It has to be understood that the tropical positions are not accurate to the constellations. It doesn't make that system wrong or irrelevant. It just has to be read with that understanding. So in the Vedic chart, you know, whatever your Western horoscope is, and for people that are listening that might have a Western chart, if you actually uh, go and take everything in your chart, including the rising sign, back 24 degrees, you'll have what, is, uh, what, what turns out to be the Vedic Jyotish horoscope. And the other thing is in the Vedic chart, we don't think of a person as being a sun sign. We think of them more in terms of their rising sign or their ascendant, the sidereal ascendant. So that's what that's what uh, you're referring to, Filippo, and um, hope that wasn't too technical. Uh, it, it, a it's, talk. it it well it it's a it's a mind shift and a consciousness shift, yes. and I'm actually delighted that I got to have this experience now in my life because I think it goes much deeper and in in the kind of 
uh, kind of conversation or understanding that I actually can relate with now. So the timing couldn't have been more perfect. If this is something you all want to experience, Brent actually does this uh, still one-on-ones online uh, at the moment, still online, uh, even before I think it was online for those who wanted to record it or something. But nonetheless, uh, brentbeckvar.com. You can learn more about it there. And Brent, we just have a couple more minutes, but I uh, really yeah. want, uh, if you could please share, I, I believe this is this is big and, and what we need, especially now, it's not personal. Please share what you yeah. can on I appreciate your your um, your asking this because uh, that it's certainly been part of my own I think awakening over these years, um, you know, through meditation, through pr- practicing the various tools and techniques of the yoga tradition, that there's something so much bigger going on than the story of me. Mm. You know, we're all familiar with nar- the narration of this character that we make up, that we've made up this me so um i mean that that has become pretty obvious to me that we're not the body you know that we're not the roles we play we're not the song and dance the personality we're not the relationships that all of these things take place in consciousness and that's why vedic astrology is a spiritual uh, practice because when you're looking at a chart and you begin to see as reflected in these planetary uh positions and relationships in the chart these archetypal themes that are associated with the planets. You know, Mars is often referred to as the god of war, uh, Mercury as the messenger of the gods. So it's associated with communications and the mental, uh, mental, uh, the intellect. Uh, Venus, the, the, the goddess of love, um, and so on. So each of the planets have very specific archetypal themes, and these have been handed down for thousands of years, really, in, in, in a variety of traditions. So when you're looking at a chart, you realize that these archetypal themes are flowing through everyone. Everybody is experiencing these in some way, because in everybody's chart, the planets were somewhere. And some of the planets are stronger than others, so they're reflecting stronger. uh, You know, some of these archetypal themes are stronger. I think I said to you, you know, people that have strong positions of Venus are more artistic and relational and uh, interested in harmony in their relationships and more things than that, creative sensitivity. People that are ruled by Mars, you know, are very assertive, you know, action-oriented, like to get things done, uh, like to um, uh, assert themselves in, in different situations, and, you know, great athletes and business uh, people, you know, Mars, and so on. So, you know, you look for these kinds of things in a chart, and you see uh, how these archetypal things, themes are expressing themselves. The reason it's not personal is that most people aren't really observant of these things so much. It's so much uh, um, mechanical. It's part of these, the conditioning and the, and the habits that we came into this life with. The term is samskara in, in Sanskrit. Samskara just means these, these kind of habitual tendencies that are reflected in, in the chart. So the chart is really looking at this sort of uh, reflection of karma, the, the karma that we came in with, and how we can mitigate some of the challenging uh, conditioning or challenging um, habits using the talents, gifts, and abilities that we have. And I'm very keen on showing people the talents, gifts, and abilities they have so that, you know, when they come up against these unconscious themes, they can begin to mitigate those. And there are all kinds of remedial measures in, in the Vedic tradition for doing this. I won't get into all that now. 
So, um, but but truly, I, you're 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 so right. I'm really glad that you got that you had that experience when we were talking about your because um, I want I want people to have more free will, more freedom. I'm not in the interest. I don't have an interest in trying to tell people their fate. I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. It's very limiting and and um, uh, can, can make people kind of afraid and feel helpless. I want to help people to become as as much as I can to become more conscious, so that they can have more free will, more choices, more evolutionary choices, so that they by making these evolutionary choices they can continue to improve the conditions of their lives and begin to to uh, uh, to disperse some of these old uh, unconscious habits. So it isn't personal, and I think that's real awakening for all of us when we begin to realize that you know, we're not limited to this body, this personality, these roles and relationships. We are part of one consciousness. And to the extent that we can awaken to that and realize that and live from that, um, you know, this is what we want. This is what, this is what we're, I think what, where we're headed. And, you know, we, we, we certainly want to see more people, uh, making the shift from the personal to the non-personal and, and to the awakened state. Mm-hmm. Mm. Brent, wow. Thank you so much. Uh, there's, there's so, there's much of Brent on, online. Uh, I'll accept your music, right? You sing as well. And I got to hear some of your music. I'm looking forward to hearing more. I didn't find that online. Is it online? It's actually not online. No, <laughs> and uh, and I, I I I'm not really sure where to put it online. But anyway, thanks for even asking about that. Maybe oh. maybe I'll find a way. Or maybe maybe you can advise me, Filippo. <laughs> well, oh, I don't know about that. You've got brothers that have. Gosh, we'll talk about them in a minute. But nonetheless, uh, happy to help in any way I can. But in the meantime, whether it's Jyotish uh, and. Uh, a Vedic astrological reading that you're looking for or meditation or uh, something to do with the Deepak uh, Chopra Center. Uh, uh, Brent Beckvar, B-E-C-V-A-R.com is where you can find our guest. Thank you so much, truly. Thank you, Philippe. Namaste. Thank you, Philippe. Namaste, indeed. Uh, and with that, uh, we have our Ask Dorothy question. Dear Dorothy, my name is Maxine and I live in Georgia. I've owned my home for almost 18 years and for the first 10 years I really enjoyed my neighbors. Then they moved and a new couple moved in and my former neighbors and I chatted and enjoyed one another even if only we had only talked over the fence. Now this new couple only reaches out to us if they want something and it usually is wanting me to cut down some bushes or trim the trees. So I kind of ignored them and make my exits after checking to see if they are in their yard. I really enjoyed the former people and want to know why this couple is not as friendly and I want to know how I can change this dynamic. However, since I am a hoarder, I have never invited anyone into my home. My own family does not visit me here. We meet in town or in their homes, so I can't invite anyone in for coffee or tea. Can you help? Hope you're not muted. 
We want the answer. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had unmuted, but here I am now. Dear Maxine, I have discovered on this journey called life that it is very often difficult to truly know people. Some people are very friendly and others are happier with no direct contact. It appears that your present neighbors may be the latter of the ones described. Since eight years have passed, my question is, what kind of reaching out did you do when they first moved in? Has it been pretty much the same now as it has been for the entire time they've been there? If so, then they may just prefer to be alone. And when they ask you to cut the bushes or trees, it may be because they are fixated on the look of their property. They could be watching you just as you've been watching them, as they may have concluded that you appear to be distancing yourself from them by first checking to see if they're in their yards when you're ready to leave. Human beings are very interesting and come with all kinds of emotions and needs. Some are very social and others prefer being alone with family members only. Since it has been basically no contact for so long, my suggestion is that you do not take this personally and just enjoy your privacy as they appear to be enjoying theirs. And now, since you brought it up, let's look at the hoarding. Potentially, instead of looking at the relationships outside, you may want to look at your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the things and particular kinds of things. For example, what kinds of things are you hoarding? How long have you been hoarding? Has the hoarding been enhancing your life experience or distracting and detracting or taking you away from having the life you want to have? Whether related or not, I find it interesting that the relation with your family and new neighbors may be reflecting more the growing inhospitable environment you may be cultivating within your own home which of course could be a reflection of the environment and mental state in your own mind. I would think about this, and if it resonates with you and you need support recalibrating this issue, let's consider finding a good therapist or life coach quickly. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at askdorothy@lifechangesshow.com. Well, I'm glad we got to hear that answer, Dorothy. And... Uh, for anybody who's watching the time like I am, I just want to assure you that we have asked BBS Radio and they have graciously uh, let us go over the hour today with these two special musical guests that are coming on. Uh, if you miss it during while you're listening to us live, it will be archived shortly. So thank you for joining us live and we look forward to coming right back with our musical guests Bruce Beckvar and Brian Beckvar right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. 
It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve with heart, integrity, and experience we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. We are back. I am Filippo Voltaggio, and after that great interview with Brent Bekvar, and of course our Ask Dorothy question, we have our musical guests who are Bruce Bekvar and Brian Bekvar. Of course, Brian has been with us once before. We have a pleasure of inviting him back. Bruce lives music inside and out from composing Billboard Ta uh, billboard topping musical compositions to building and embellishing instruments for world-class rock and roll bands like the who and peter frampton band and led zeppelin the jackson five earth wind and fire and carlos santana he is a seeker and a healer as well as an artist and he makes his music for its effect on people's lives that's bruce beckvar and brian beckvar you may remember he has toured, recorded, and performed with the likes of Celine Dion and Michael Bolton and many, many others, composed for film and TV, and composed songs for such artists as John Mellencamp and Roberta Flack, etc., etc. And Brian has recently launched, launched Serenity Stream, a video streaming app for mobile phones and smart TVs. I am happy and honored to present Bruce uh, Beckvar and Brian Beckvar, welcome to the show. Thank Filippo, you, Filippo. Hey. Great to be here. It's great to have you both. Uh, have you have you two? I, I know uh, Brett mentioned that you both were involved in, in, in essentially the three of you in something with the 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 Chopra Center. H have you done a lot together musically? Well, uh, Brian, you want to answer that or I'm happy to? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, um, <laughs> we have not done a lot musically, uh, although my the, the beginning of my music career actually started with uh, Brent teaching me guitar. You know, he, he taught me guitar at, at age, you know, eight or nine. And, mm. um, uh, you know, that that was the, the intro to the world of guitar for me. Um, but, you know, we we've done some events with Deepak in Southern California at some of his uh, workshops and, and, uh, um, you know, weekend gatherings. And we've performed at a few of those. Um, 
but uh, we have not actually done a musical show together. And that's, I think that's one of the, the regrets that, that we have is that we haven't put that together. Um, and every time Brent talks about not having his, uh, you know, a CD out there, I, I think, you know, I, I had thought years ago that I would, I would, I wanted to produce, you know, a CD of his and, and I mm. still do that to, because it, mm. his, his voice is incredible, but yeah. Uh, agreed. And, uh, I like that idea. We did a uh, wonderful show at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. Bruce, you remember that? Yes, yes. That was really something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's some nice, nice uh, venues. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Brian and I have had some wonderful performances together. But in terms of all three of us, I think that's I thought that's what you were asking, Filippo. But yeah, we've had some great and Red Rocks was was uh, an mm-hmm. awesome event. What a a stellar stage, you know, uh, with in that energy of Red Rocks. Uh, yeah, that was uh, an event that we couldn't couldn't forget. I just I get a sense, uh, obviously, that when when an artist steps on the stage or when an artist performs or records, there there is an essence and energy that comes through. And and when when there's there's synergy amongst artists. Uh, and then it's a it's a kind of a different thing when that synergy also happens to be literally related. I don't know. It's just so and it's a thrill for me to have the two of you on or the three of you on technically uh, all together here. And and in a moment, we're going to get to play a piece that you all worked on uh, together. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Bruce, your your career. It, it's interesting. This relates. Uh, I think it, it let me know if, if you feel differently, but it. I think it relates to a lot of what uh, Brent said earlier about it's not personal. Like it feels like the time came and the universe, the world wanted your kind of music and you stepped up to the challenge and said, sure, I'll be one of the first ones to bring out this kind of music. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it felt like, uh, as, as Deepak, uh, has said, use the term synchro destiny. Uh, it felt like that in 1986. Uh, I had been working for many years as a uh, guitar, you know, creator and, and repairman, and then and and suddenly it was like the universe said, "No, you have to drop that." And mm-hmm. uh, like you know, jumping off a cliff and learning to you know to fall or fly, I did, and and I knew I had to produce, per, pursue my music um, that I I had been you know writing in the background for years. And put together my first album. It was just clear. And uh, uh, a friend in Marin County was uh, leaving for France and said, here, you want to use my house? It has a full recording studio. You know, with incredible feng shui, a skylight. You know, it was like the universe said, here, you know. And uh, I said, I said, I accept. <laughs> so the I universe spent- made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> I, I could not refuse. And so I... I I, I was like a hermit in that house and uh, and produced my first album, Take It to Heart, which is where it all started. And, uh, uh, you know, from there. So I, I uh, uh, and then everything blossomed from there. I, I connected with a music distributor at the time, Lloyd Barty and uh, Heartbeats Music Catalog. And eventually we did a partnership. He became uh, a partner in my music business and as well as distributor. And it kind of steamrolled from there. So a, a lot of doors opened for me you know, in 1986. So I felt very blessed. Well, it was interesting too, uh, that I, that I saw, uh, Narada on, on, you know, that you were, 
that you were on that label and then Wyndon Hill. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. When I found those labels and some of the music they were they were putting out, I, I felt like, oh, this is for me right now. And mm-hmm. and so so here we are. Brian, would you say in a in a very, very different genre, uh, similar for you, like how how did that that just that leap happen for you? I was uh, finishing school in Indiana and uh, it was, uh, I guess, Synchro Destiny as well. <laughs> a friend uh, came up to me with a uh, piece of paper that had Johnny Cougar, Johnny Cougar's uh, phone number, said he's looking for a piano player. So I decided to call and I had an intuition about it and met him. And then uh, I was hired and joined the band. And that was 1978, I believe. And uh, that started a long series of uh, encounters and relationships in the music business, uh, touring and working with different artists. So, uh, yeah, it was also a kind of what felt like a chance meeting also felt like there was some kind of, uh, uh, you know, greater purpose involved. So. Mm. Mm. And, and interesting, interesting that you say it that way, because uh, I, I know how you feel about what you're doing now. It, it's like taking it to the next step. But before we, we go into that, I, I'd like to hear first uh, a piece that the two of you uh, worked on uh, together. And I'd like to know who did who did what. And then and then you also have somebody that every everybody would also know and love. Uh, on on this piece, uh, the tears of Machu Picchu. So, who would like to share about that? Uh, tears of Machu Picchu was on a, a record that I did uh, for a label called Real Music in the mid '90s, and uh, I was very fortunate to to have my friend Dave Cause play sax on it, and of course, very you know grateful that Bruce was open to playing guitar on it. Bruce did an absolutely incredible uh, musical uh, performance on this record. Dave was amazing as well. I was very grateful to him. So I had, I had been in Peru, and I spent a night at Machu Picchu, and I just had it was a very powerful experience. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of related to the feeling I had uh, that inspired that song. So it's Dave Cause and Bruce and myself on keys. And again, I'm so grateful to Dave that he was available and and Bruce as well. Well, I'm so grateful to both of you. And and I'm grateful to you, Brian, for bringing this to the show. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say that uh, you you brought your brothers to the show as well today. So thank you for sharing the stage with them and for bringing them to the Life Changes show. I'm I'm so honored, as, as they are, I'm sure, as well. Absolutely. Thank you. you. The feeling is mutual. And with that, here is the tears of Machu Picchu.
Thank you so much for letting us share that tonight. That's so special. So that was Tears of Machu Picchu. Uh, Brian and Bruce and uh, th their music is available everywhere, but I'm just going to give uh, their websites to start. But anywhere music is sold, you can you can find it. So uh, Bruce's music would be at Bekvar Music, B-E-C like Charlie, V like Victor, A-R like Robert, beckvarmusic.com. And uh, Brian's music is available at brianbeckvar.com. And in a little bit, we're going to be talking more about serenitystream.com. And his music is also available there, serenitystream.com. So, but before we go on, uh, again, thank you, gentlemen. That was very special. Thank you, Filippo. I, I loved hearing that song again. I it's, I haven't heard it in a while, and it just it really gets me every time. It's such a beautiful uh, one of uh, just honored to play on that song with Brian. Just a great job producing it too, and of course, stellar performance by Brian and Dave. And so I'm honored to be on that uh, piece. Yeah. yeah, and like likewise, Bruce and Dave, you know, gave it so much heart and feeling and soul. You know, mm. love just love the uh, acoustic guitar on that. Such beauty mm, in you. that in that performance. Mm. And Dave was pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Dave is is all soul. He was all great. Heart, all soul. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, uh, so actually, uh, Bruce, we're going to get to hear one of your songs. You know which one I chose because you heard me say it earlier. What do you think? Is that is that okay? Oh, that's fine. Uh, whichever one you you uh, feel inspired to play. Uh, well, it was all my heart. So I, I'd like to know more about it before we do, please. Let's see. All my heart. It's interesting that uh, that was the the first piece on the uh, Floating Home CD, mm. which it actually took ten years to finish uh, because it was a collection of pieces that I, I had done uh, living in different places. Mainly, uh, that was done in, in, uh, on Maui when I lived in Maui, I was there for 25 years. And, um, that particular piece, um, uh, one of the themes of, of recording music for me is to capture the energy when it's happening. So in this mm -hmm. case, I was out walking the beach or, uh, uh, maybe I was hiking up on the mountain. I'm not sure, but I remember just being out in nature and coming back and I felt this, this strong, impulse to record this piece which the uh, little snippets of, had been uh, sort of popping through here and there um, and i sat down and recorded that and captured you know the live take um uh of of the rhythm guitar tracks and then I, I later that evening added some lead guitar tracks but um yeah it was just the holy spirit flow and that that's been my theme is to capture the energy uh you know when it's happening and so uh, that was the first one for this album. And then later it ended up on, on the CD. But, yeah. and, and Bruce, uh, you're, you're not only playing guitar on here, you're also producing this. And are there, share, share with us. Yeah, um, most of my CDs I produced uh, on my home recording studio and um, uh, mixed and recorded it. Um, and I, I do, uh, you know, play mostly acoustic guitar with, lead acoustic guitar I, I play some keys on here too as well and um and bass as well fretless bass so uh, yeah excellent all my, all my heart it just uh, had a, a particular feeling kind of like brian was saying with uh, tears 
the tears piece of Machu Picchu uh, that, you know, it was just a, a theme that was arising that day and, and came out really strongly in the music. So, uh, Well, here it is. Here is uh, Bruce Beckvar's All My Heart from Floating Home. With all my heart. Oh, with all my heart. <laughs> well, no, I was, I was just... Oh, <laughs> but it is it is called all my heart but yeah, yeah. okay <laughs>
All of my heart with all of Bruce's heart. Thank you, Bruce, for sharing that with us. Bruce Beckvar and find his music at beckvarmusic.com. Like like you all chimed in on the last song. I'm wondering if anybody has anything to say on this one. Wow. Uh, it brings back memories for me to hear the song because uh, uh, almost like another life, you know, my, when I used to live in Hawaii. But uh, uh, anyways, ha- happy to share that. Yeah, uh, I think I knew when the song was coming through that it would take many years for that album to uh, unfold and that I would go through a lot of changes in that time. And I, I think I was intuiting that. So, I, you know, a lot happened in those those years uh, before it was released so yeah ended up in montana in paradise valley montana of all places so one paradise to the next but anyway <laughs> <laughs> yes uh and evidently you've been you've been following following the light as as maybe your brother brent might say about light science <laughs> as i'm as i'm learning so it sounds like you all are in in some way or another and which actually brings me to uh, brian and we had the pleasure of not only sharing his music but also talking more about uh, uh serenity stream and it's interesting i i shared the other day how i'm one of these people when uh, when I'm eating, especially like at an Italian restaurant where I know so much Italian music and and the the music that's playing in the background will be like so not conducive to eating. And it happens at so many restaurants. It's like, don't they know just because it's Italian doesn't make me want to eat right now or it makes <laughs> me want to eat faster or what have you. So at, I've been in many meditation centers and and uh, 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 massage uh, centers and all that and and watching videos where the music is beautiful or the video is nice but they don't go together and it's like oh this isn't making me meditate this is making me say what are you doing um and so then when i was first introduced to brian's serenity stream i thought wow he gets it (laughs) thanks Filippo. and it's beautiful i mean amazing so where do you get it, actually? Uh, the music we kind of get, but where do you get the video stuff? Um, I actually, um, most of it I've uh, I've paid for. Uh, it's a pool of videographers from around the world, and I have a, a global universal license, royalty-free license to use uh, the video from probably maybe 100 different videographers. Mm. Uh, most of it's aerial drone footage, which I find incredibly beautiful uh, to be flying over the earth mm. uh, just to the most beautiful um, locations on the planet. And um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, most of it aerial drone. And then some of it's a little bit is, is abstract uh, shapes and forms. And so I, I wanted to create something that I felt was immersive and I could bring a bit of nature into the home and the workplace uh, where people could have something in the background while they're working or call Mm. up something on a mobile device uh, or on their computer or on their TV and just to bring a sense of peace or calm the mind. And I felt 
particularly now in this in this time of challenge with the pandemic, um, people um, I think could use a sense of nature in their home or in the workplace, you know, to bring bring a sense of peace to them with all the the negative news and information that's constantly flowing mm. to us. Um, hoping that uh, Serenity Stream can bring that bring that balance and give people, uh, you know, a sense of uh, of calm. You know, Brian, thank you. Brian, you, you did that extraordinary uh, visuals, too, by the way. Uh, his visuals mm-hmm. are some of the most magnificent places on the planet, like Iguazu Falls or uh, yeah. you know, special uh, areas that you wouldn't normally see that are just magnificent. So you mm. have, to check. have you seen, uh, do you know the Dolomites, Filippo? I do. North, northeastern Italy. Yeah, in Italy, right. Majestic mountains called the Dolomites. And so I have one video called Elevate to Celebrate, which is it's just extraordinary footage. And so these are videographers, you know, they've they've got these are uh, drones that are being used around the planet. And it's quite a community of, of drone artists. And uh, but I just sort of decided to use the this wealth of of uh, footage and put my own music and then using trying to edit these clips together to tell a story in each case. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a real, um, uh, incredible experience working with that. And I have over a hundred films that are about five minutes in length and divided into different categories or energy levels. So, um, I'm going to keep going with it. And, uh, I just I have a vision of every home having, you know, a digital some kind of display that a person could call up to be whatever environment they would like, you know, uh, or the workplace as well. Um, how many waiting rooms do you know that um, that have displays that are playing something that people really don't want to see? Mm. But I just think that you could transform people um, before they're. You know, they have a meeting, uh, you know, with a medical doctor or mm. a hospital or, you know, in a yoga studio. Um, so. Yes, well, uh, it, it, we, we all have had the experience of, of waiting in, in certain areas and uh, could have certainly used, used some kind of support. And we all know that music can help. And I'm excited I'm excited about this. If if I'm I'm usually a listener, uh, and usually because I, I I don't know I don't the music doesn't always go with with the watching. But I was impressed with how I just kind of got sucked away into watching as well, which does not happen for me. So thank you. I duly impressed and delighted and we're going to get to hear one of the pieces now i know we went round and round or you did actually and then you landed on which is obviously perfect beautiful and the word the name itself you landed on grace could you tell us about grace uh this is actually a video um from uh finland it's a beautiful lake in finland um at sunset and I really was inspired by the, the images 
just to write something that had a deep, um, you know, just a, a real gentle, um, compassionate quality to it. It just, it really just came out as I was watching the video and I, I almost improvised it really. Um, but it, it has come to have a deep meaning for me. And having traveled there, I was working um, on, a, on a tour. We, we played in Finland. And uh, so it was really just incredible uh, nature, being surrounded by nature there. And so the feeling I'm, uh, you know, hoping comes through for others in, in the music and the, uh, the film. Mm. Well, we're going to get to hear the music uh, of Grace, the film titled Grace, that is available on the serenitystream.com or the Serenity Stream app. And here is Brian Beckfar's Grace.
Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Filippo. Thank you. What a, what, what, what a, a beautiful way to bring all of this uh, together uh, with grace, actually. Brian Beckvar, brianbeckvar.com, and the app is serenitystream.com or just Serenity Stream, right, if they're downloading it, Brian? Yeah, the app in the in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store uh, is downloadable as Serenity Stream, and then or SerenityStream.com. Uh, it's on all platforms: um, mobile device, TV, tablets, and uh, with stunning views. <laughs> who who is that, Bruce? Bruce, is that you? Yeah, you, yeah. you know, actually, thank you for, for doing that. You did it earlier before, too. And I, I just have to say, uh, I, I this is this is what I experienced when I was online uh, with the three of the brothers, with Brent, Bruce and Brian, how each of them was sharing what the other one had done. And uh, it was it was so heartwarming. Uh, so uh, Brian at one point jumped in and said, well, Bruce has got a, one of the guitars he made in, in the Metropolitan Art Museum. And then Bruce jumped in with something and Brent jumped in with something. And then Brian jumped back in and said, and Brent has a beautiful voice. And so uh, I, I, to coin uh, or, or to, to, to borrow a phrase from yet another composer, can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> truly. Uh, and, and so with that, there's, we not only feel the love, but there's a lot of love here for you. As a matter of fact, BBS wrote us and said, as long as you want, this is <laughs> wonderful. And, and our uh, executive producer, Dorothy, uh, typed in, because we're all in different places, typed in, this is awesome, keep it going. Um, so uh, with that, in the spirit of what we've, just experienced it, it uh, this was not planned and if if bbs during the show i sent bbs uh because brian said about brent's voice and i mentioned it on the show and and uh so uh brent said how can we get it out there and so we thought what a, a great surprise it would be uh, yeah. to end with brent singing and interestingly enough of course this album was produced by you, Brian? Yes. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh -huh. Brent, Brent, you can unmute. Go ahead and unmute, Brent. I think he's hearing. I hope he's hearing. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Here, here I am. Yes, I do hear you. Yeah, okay. Brian, Brian uh, did a great, great job producing this record. He had a studio in Los Angeles, and uh, I would come up from San Diego where I was living, and so we, we collaborated on this. He played a number of instruments in the background i wish i wish i'd had bruce on there too that would have been really yeah. great uh but uh but anyway it was really fun to do this with brian and um this was you know some time ago now but uh all the songs on it i, I had written except for the last one which was a traditional song so yeah 
Well, interestingly I'm, enough, uh, of all the songs, I chose one of them and uh, asked you if we could play one of your songs. And you said, sure, how about this one? And we both picked the same song. So uh, and and no coincidence, of course, and also because love is definitely in the air in a very special way tonight. Uh, so if if Doug, you if if you were able to get the song and if you were able to get it up, I would love for us to share uh Brent Beckvar's song. Oh, you got it. Okay, great. So Brent, here's here's an impromptu special ending to our time together with the Beckvars. Brent Beckvar, Bruce Beckvar, and Brian Beckvar. Here is uh, Brent performing There Isn't Any Word, this uh, in parentheses, for love. There isn't any word that is not out yet. Uh, but we understand it's coming out soon in some way, shape, or form, and produced by his brother, Brian Beckvar. Uh, here it is. There isn't any word. You've been looking everywhere for love. Crying up to heaven to send it down from above. Seems that these emotions are like waves upon the shore. Tossed and turning, still we yearn in vain for something more. Close your eyes and listen to your heart. Follow the direction you remembered from the start There's no destination, just this moment as it is There's no time to change your mind, surrender to the bliss There isn't any word for love, it's in between the lines Fills your heart up when it finds you Shines a light inside your mind Answers every question You've been thinking of There isn't any word for love Seems like love is always Just beyond your reach Time is always running through your hands The past is only memories and future just a dream With every breath from birth to death comes new awakening Close your eyes and listen to your heart Follow the direction you remember from the start There's no destination, just this moment as it is There's no time to change your mind, surrender to the bliss There isn't any word for love, it's in 
when it finds you Shines a light inside your mind Answers every question You've been thinking of There isn't any word for love Answers every question You've been thinking of There isn't any word for I could almost just say goodnight and let that linger. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brent. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Filippo. I appreciate your, your playing that. And um, that, yeah. was amazing. It was nice. that was awesome. I love <clears throat> Yeah. Um, well, well um, it's great to connect, great to connect with my brothers, you know, uh, uh, on this yeah. show. You, you, and it's a great service. So bringing us all together. So, yeah, thank was, you. It's great to hear their music, share our music together. I was so inspired by, by Brent's discussion with you, Filippo. Uh, very That's inspiring it. and beautiful stories, and uh, all of it was just incredible. Uh, uh, agreed. And I, I wish I can share so much of what Brent uh, shared with me during our session, because uh, very inspiring and deep. And, and I will say this, Brent, I know that that I'm maybe not supposed to have too, too many desires, but um, I'm going to let go of the desire to hear you sing that song live with Bruce playing and, and Brian playing in the background and let the universe take over should that supposed to happen at a live event someday. Uh, well, the seed has been planted. <laughs> yeah, thanks. thank you for that attention. Thanks. So, with that, a big thank you once again to Brent Beckvar, to Bruce Beckvar, and to Brian Beckvar, and uh, to all of you that were part of this special show tonight. Um, on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our producer, Mark Lejeur, and our program manager, Doug Newsom, and myself, host Filippo Voltaggio, that is our show. And I trust that your lives have changed as much as mine and ours has tonight, undoubtedly. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com on Facebook at The Life Changes Show and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>